good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight time, Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley, and it's lovely to see you again at in your old house, not your new house. Uh, but it is exciting to say that I am in the new house. Well, I think I was in the last podcast, wasn't I? Uh, yeah, it's it's good to be there. We actually went away um, last week, JB. Yes. How did you get on? We had a lovely time. Um, we forced ourselves to switch off from unpacking boxes that were in boxes for six months, as our dear listeners will be aware of. Um, and then came back to 24 hours of chaos, getting ready the kids ready for school, realising that the house was still partly packed still. And yeah, so it's quite nice coming to the sanctuary of an empty four-bedroom office to work what, today. What, what you could do in that house, Ant. <laughs> what have yeah. I done? That's the question. Mm. But in case the landlord is listening, not a lot. Yes. How are you? What's new? Well, what's new? I this will this will surprise you. I have sold a dinner for four uh, in my shed uh, to some very interesting people. It was part of an auction. Uh, my shed locally has actually become quite famous mm-hmm. for some reason. Okay, it seems to it seems to have sort of not literally caught fire, but but in people's imagination uh, around COVID. You know, what have you been doing? Uh, well, I've, I've, I've built a shed, I've built a studio. And people are, really? Wow. So um, it, 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 there's lots of people say, oh, you're the shed guy. Before that is, oh, you're the beard guy. Now I'm the shed guy. And anyway, there's this charity auction we were at. And uh, I, put, I thought, just for a laugh, I put the shed up for dinner. Um, and in English money... English pound, £250 these people paid. Oh, my goodness. For having dinner in my shed, served by Crispel and I, my wife and I. What, what's, um, uh, is, is, uh, was there a menu in this auction lot? Or? No, not even a flipping menu. And then I said, well, what would you like me to cook? And they said, well, um, something vegan. And I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> I've got no experience of vegan. So I've been looking, and if there are any listeners who are actually vegan um, chefs or, or, or good cooks, do send me some good recipes. I'm going to try and barbecue it because that is my thing. Um, so vegan barbecue is that seem to um, pique their interest. So, yeah, that's one of the many things that I've been up to. Wowee. I'm looking forward to... So I take it there is a deadline for them to have this experience, which also then pushes you for your shed completion. Absolutely. Um, So by the end of September, this um, dinner, yeah, so I've got to crack on. And the the shed has actually had someone sleeping in it. Um, In fact, the auctioneer... uh, who did the charity auction actually slept in the shed. It's a long story. Well, and if it wasn't for the fact, ladies and gents, that me and JB both have rather busy days today and the podcast wouldn't be as short as it is. But as this is before our working day has started, we must crack on indeed. We must crack on with something relevant to the listeners rather than going on about a whole load of stuff that's completely irrelevant. They love it. I, you know, I have had comments before about they actually enjoy our, our pre-serious stuff stuff. What's wrong with them? I know. What is wrong with them? Clearly, lockdown, as you say, has a weird effect on people. To get out more. So this week, ladies and gents, um, as ever, we are now going to continue on the path because it does seem to be popular based on feedback that we are going to simply kick around some articles, some books, some themes of the week that have been going on in the leadership world, whether that is through politics or business. 
Um, we believe we can position it in the mind of your, you as a listener, as a leader of people um, that can be useful for you to think about in your everyday life as a leader at work or indeed in life. Um, this week, um, please do continue to submit your questions. We are we do have some questions, but we're going to try and keep those till next week. So if you're tuning in to listen to your question being answered, sorry about that. We will promise to do it next week. But we are now going to make a pledge to make sure we do a podcast every week. But this week will be a short one. Hopefully that was fine. But e, the email address is globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com or you can find Global Leadership Podcast on LinkedIn. Um, and um, you are welcome to follow us. I've discovered, by the way, JB, you can invite people to follow our page, and I think I need to do that um, ah, in our network. Okay. What, down the pub or um, yeah. on a bus? Or, yeah. I, I, I think I think you just say, hey, join my network. Anyway, listeners, sign, find <laughs> us and follow us. There's, there's good listeners. Thanks so much. So, JB, did you want to go first in your book, or do you want me to go first with one of my two articles? Oh, I don't mind. You you show me yours and I'll show you mine. Oh, well, we, we can therefore have a JB book sandwich, sandwich between two articles. Um, so article one, I have sent these to you on email, JB. Um, this yeah, one, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. So this week from the Evening Standard, a London based newspaper, um, an interesting article by Joe Murphy. Um, and it's talking about business leaders being told to show leadership by going into the office again. Um, and the, the, the flip of this article ultimately is that um, I believe the article makes reference to the fact that their own government offices are running at five or six percent of capacity. Um, and when you've got governments asking you to take people back to the office and, and just to give you some context, ladies and gents, I think we will all agree around the world that city centres, which used to be busy population centres of people during the working day, are now ghost towns because more people are working from home than ever before. Business leaders are realising, actually, this is saving me some money. This is help. It isn't impacting my productivity. It is also allowing me to support people with their work-life balance. And of course, it's safer given the current you know, risk of infection around COVID. Um, it's this article effectively references the importance or the government's push to um, go back into the office. Now, the reason I wanted to bring up this article is because I think it is useful once again to talk about the value of flexible working. But I'm also aware the impact this is having as in a macroeconomic impact on city centres around the world. Uh, but JB, um, what's your thoughts on the leadership requirements of, of business leaders going back to work? Or do you think this is the government basically doing a ruse to try and get in-city economies back on its feet in terms of retail and the, the, the indirect economies? I, d I, feel, I feel I'm going to be a little controversial now. Oh, uh, I can't oh. help it. Oh. It's just a rising thing, a, a sort of rising sap in me about this. And this idea of shoving people back to work, putting this momentum around getting people back into the office, I think it's the wrong message. I really do. I, there, there's something missing about it. It's like, uh, you know, back in 1969, um, you know, this, this idea of putting a man on the moon within 10 years Where's that vision for our future? We need something now across the globe 
you know, we need to have politicians who are saying within 10 years, we will have cities that look like this, that we will have uh, flexible working for people uh, that looks like this. This is such a missed opportunity. I can't hear the conversation about what's right uh, for the business and what's right for the people um, right now. It's this old model of getting people to sit in an open plan office as before and no change here. It's like, can we go back to normal as fast as we possibly can? Mm. Um, because I, I think there's something else at foot here. And our economy is made up of this old model. Um, you know, the pension funds require people sitting in that very expensive seat. Uh, and that gives the landlords the money um, from the tenants uh, that they need. It pays and the pension the, fund, yeah. <laughs> it pays the pension fund, you know. And, and I think there's... Uh, so I just feel very sad. I don't feel angry. I just feel sad that there's a missed opportunity here for a fantastic vision of the future. You and I are massively excited by flexible working. Completely. I think it's really important. And we trust our people um, to work flexibly. Yeah. And I think that needs to be really, really worked on. Um, and it and needs to be led by this government. So this article is about um, thinking that the Prime Minister and everyone else should be showing uh, their flexibility, showing that they're back to work on the buses, on the tubes and everything else. Mm. And I'm just thinking, is that really the message of our time? And it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and, and by the way, I am completely on the same message as JB here. However, I am going to play devil's advocate just for a moment because there is a risk of obviously our own financial well-being being impacted by not travelling on it. Because to your point, JB, if our pension funds are reliant upon landlords being paid, on um, public infrastructures being heavily utilised, on um, uh, the tertiary check, the businesses like your dry cleaners, your um, your restaurants, all of these companies are also paying hugely into the exchequer. And people are now no longer having to get takeout lunches every day. That missing chunk of the economy can have a huge financial detrimental impact on all of our lives. Give it two or three years. And I would agree with you. Um, this is not very people focused at all. But if UK was a PLC, um, the bank balance is not growing or recovering as quickly as it could be. And clearly the leaders of this PLC believe the single bullets to fix it is to have everybody going back into physical offices. But I totally agree with you that actually the vision needs to be how do we regenerate these areas over the five to ten years? Because, yes, you may get people, this may be a success to a point and there may end up being 50 or 60 percent of people back in the office versus 100 percent six or a year, six months or a year ago. However... I think you're absolutely right, JB. They need to admit the elephant in the room is 10 years. This is not going to be how it is. I think, I don't know any of you that listen to the podcast are visitors to London, but there is a um, a square mile business quarter. And actually, despite it being, you know, a huge, one of the biggest cities on planet Earth, um, 
that 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 section of central London only opens Monday to Friday. If you walk around there on a Saturday or Sunday, it is a ghost town. Pubs and restaurants don't open at the weekends in certain areas of London because there is no population. It's entire business population. So those areas, I suspect, will require some regeneration and refocus about what it's going to be. The challenge is, of course, making sure that our engine of UK PLC doesn't grind to a halt um, in the meantime, which then can't fund this regeneration for the bigger term vision. Or is it going to come down to borrowing? It's it's an interesting one. Perhaps it's a both and. And so I, I am a, I'm an investor. I've got a pension fund and part of that pension fund is actually invested in commercial property. So I am shooting myself in my pension fund, uh, in in my attitude to this. But I, you know, I'm I'm prepared to take the hit for the team, on that. Um, and and yes, if people go whizzing back into the cities and going back into offices, and I see a peak in my pension fund, fantastic. Then I'll sell it because I see where we're going with this. Yeah. And um, you know that that is that is the future there. I just I just feel you're right and about you know in the short term. Uh, we've got to uh, have one bit of skid in that game uh, where things are now, but we've also uh, got to start planning mm. within 10 years uh, what the future actually looks like and scoping it out. I just can't hear that thinking, that vision, uh, that creativity and getting people stimulated, getting the architects stimulated, the economists, everybody working together creating a fabulous jigsaw that will never be perfect but where's where's that around the world i can't hear it mm. and it saddens me i i, I agree it, it's going to be interesting because as jb says we are completely on side with digital transformation of workforces in fact my team have been working remotely for four years uh, i haven't met five of my direct my indirect reports yet and they've been in the business six months because of covid but actually even if there wasn't covid we only budget to get together as one entire team once a year. And I go and see my sub teams once a year as well. So I'll see these people a couple of days a year. The rest of the time, they are an entirely remote workforce. Um, and I think as leaders at the moment, I suspect we're all a bit against this article that who have read it in the Evening Standard to suggest, actually, I'm fine, thanks. Um, but... I'm curious to know what the listeners think. And if there are opposed views to what we've just talked about, please do get in touch. JB. And I hope we get shot down in flames by someone who's in, just furious uh, <laughs> with either you or me for what we've just said. That would be that would be good. If you're angry with me, uh, please send me a text. And don't don't be rude, though, because I, I don't, you know, don't need that in my head. But you know, argue, argue your point. It would be great to, to actually start having some of that. Um, coming back at us if you don't agree with us your your article actually and um is really it's like a segue into into the book that i've chosen to talk to the listeners about but before i do i just mm. want to ask you a question oh do do you think um that you are a left brain thinker or a right brain thinker on the whole um my left side of my brain always feels more um, aroused than my oh. right. So I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch for my left. Yes, I. Ooh. Do you know? No, I think. Do you know? I think the listeners who are still listening to this show, 
uh, if there are any. Hello. Um, th- hello. Are you there? <laughs> they will like the fact, I think, that you are a left brainer, and I'm a right brainer. Oh. And it's like if you if you stuck our if you chopped our heads in half, and you put one half of your head, your your uh, left brain, uh, with my right brain. And stuck that face into one face. I don't know if I'm okay with this, but my God, that that would be quite an exciting experiment. I mean, it would be an explosion of creativity and analytics and facts and context and big picture and doing it and driving it and making it happen. Because that ant is my experience of working with you. Um, like we're just one head. So this book then? <laughs> <laughs> this book, um, I read this a while ago, but I think it's for our time. Okay. Um, it was actually written in 2005 by uh, a guy called Daniel Pink, which may be familiar with some of our listeners. Um, and I love this book. It's called A Whole New Mind. And you might not like this, Anne, but it, it's... The little subtitle is "Why Right Brainers Will Rule the Future." Oh God! So I would, don't I, worry. I, if you're a right brainer, I guess I need you to be my chairman if I ever set up an empire. Well, I think it would be a, a damn fine idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so it argues this book that we're moving out of the information age into the conceptual age. Um, and that our world, our lives, uh, will be built on an inventive, empathetic, big-picture capability. And so part of the reason for this is that the left brain uh, has ruled the world for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And that's about information. It's about technology. Uh, it's about high tech, it's about engineering, and all of that is absolutely uh, vital. But the most important thing about that is computerization and the opportunity to sub out uh, an enormous amount of work to other parts of the world, um, which is brilliant. So, you know, we are aware of call centers from Mumbai to um dublin and um you know so i think legal companies uh, are now being able uh, to sub out quite a lot of their work um via uh, remote workers around the world uh, we know people uh, who've recently set up companies uh, who have people working in eastern europe um, and so the, the heavy lifting of setting up a new um, management system or computerized system, uh, we don't have to, to worry about that too much. We can actually sub all of that out. What, where does that leave us? Mm. Um, it, it leaves us with the, with the other capability um, of being inventive and creative um, and having this big picture um, capability, which I feel we've lost a little bit. Um, things that things that we can create, um, go create, rather than going back to old models um, of how things used to work, we need to actually start engaging uh, with the left and the right brainers 
uh, again. Um, and, and so um, this guy, Daniel Pink, talks about six senses. And I'll just briefly go through them. Uh, one is design. Um, and this is to create a product, a service, or experience, or a lifestyle um, that isn't just functional. You know, it's something that actually is perhaps beautiful, perhaps whimsical, perhaps um, outstanding, you know, as, a, as an invention, as an idea. So back to design. But working um, together with left-brainers, right-brainers to make that happen. Um, not just arguments, stories. How we, how we get back to telling really, really great stories. You know, maybe the story of um, the transition from the information age to the conceptual age and what that actually really means. Symphony. Um, and that is like, you know, the metaphor of the jigsaw. It's actually making sure all the parts fit properly um, to create this fantastic symphony. Empathy. Uh, you and I have talked about this on quite a few webinars recently uh, about the need to demonstrate uh, caring uh, and trust of our people, particularly as so many of them are now working virtually, remotely, uh, in different parts of the world and so on. More important than ever uh, to, to, to demonstrate our caring cap capability, empathy is going to be very, very important now. Uh, play. Let's not forget we need to play. Uh, because in times of stress and chaos and when things are changing in the way they are, uh, we, we need to remain playful because that playfulness creates opportunity for creativity. Um, and the final part of that is um, that, you know, that there is there are a lot of people making a lot of a lot of money in the world right now. And it's a very small percentage that are they're walking away with the, all the pies. Um, and we we need to start thinking about meaning um, and, and creating meaning for people in their world, in the way that they live. And that's why I was a little bit kind of funny about uh, just sending people back to work like an old model. Mm. I, I, think, I think we need to create a shift um, and give people um, their meaning back um, and actually get um, start thinking about being playful. So this um, a whole new mind uh, by Daniel Pink. Uh, it is more relevant, in my opinion, now than ever. What do you think? I was listening because obviously I've not read this book, so I'm taking your synopsis of it on face value, and I find it fascinating because, as you say, um, businesses are becoming even more data centric information sensitive as time goes on we have more information at our fingertips now because of how we operate in a digital space to look at habits users and what they do and we draw conclusions from it and um it's interesting because now i understand the difference between the left side and right side thinkers um, i would argue i am more aligned with you than you know i, I have to force myself to be data centric information sensitive because I am naturally quite conceptual, in fact, too conceptual and think sometimes too big picture. I think you've talked before about ground bird, sky bird, and that for me yeah. kind of feeds the same thing. Um, I'm curious about conceptual becoming a renaissance 
or a resurrection um, of of ways of working. Um, sorry, the screen's just locked. One second. Um, da, 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 da. Sorry, just want to make sure us we're still recording, which we are. Um, yeah, so it's 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 re it's really interesting. Um, I personally do love a good data set to to conceptualize from. Um, so I, I, I think you're right. I think, and also, of course, I think with us all working remotely now and having access to information so readily ourselves, maybe as leaders, we need to fill in the gaps, which is that there is a less conceptual space when you're working remotely. So it, it's a really fascinating book um, based on the short descriptions you've given me there. Well, so I think... Um... I my my feeling about it is that you have a fantastic resource to swing both ways. Right. Uh I think you do uh you 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 really like big concept, uh big picture and you can see that. You know, you can you can go skybird. Uh but you can also really drill down with the ground bird work. And you can get you can get a grip on the data very very quickly, and for what you know your your background in radio and whatever you've done, I think has has trained your brain uh, to be able to do both those things. And I wonder, you know, the, the the learning for this from this for me. And when I read this book, I actually realised that I am uh, very much a right brainer. But it taught me that I need to do more left brainer stuff. You know, I've got to, I've got, I've got to really work at the at the data, mm. um, and you know, so the the left hemisphere um, is all about text. The right is all about context. The left is all about details, um, and the right is all about big picture. I'm I'm much more right. And I have to work really hard to get over to the left uh, and get and get that to make sense to me and other people. And but that that's the work I have to do. I think you're the other way round as a as a as a hunch. Yeah. Um, from from where we started <laughs> off with this. So I this book is quite a useful way, and particularly with those um, those traits and approaches uh, to test your thinking. And just see see where you are and where your people are, mm. um, and you know how how are we going to get on top if we believe that we are going into some sort of conceptual age? Uh, what are we going to do about it? What's the book called again? And the author? Okay, so it's a whole new mind. Uh, why right brainers will rule the future? Uh, it's by Daniel H. Pink. Uh, he he's written quite a few other books. Um, there's another one called Drive, which is a, which is another lovely book. Um, I can't wait to get all of these books on my new bookshelf in my studio because that's going to be the most exciting thing in the world. Because I got I'm going to see them all in front of me at the moment. They're in all sorts of different places. So that's another reason I wanted to do this. Uh, your 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 shared stroke studio stroke restaurant. And now library. Anything else it has? Well, and now it's a it's an Airbnb. I, people are staying. My daughter stayed in it last night. And um, which one? The auction. So Lally's staying with me. Ah. Oh. She's doing work experience with me for a week. How exciting! Wow. Why is she yeah. not on the podcast with us? 
Well, she should be. I think she's she's walking her dog at yeah. the moment. Doing enough. Yeah. Um, final article for me then. Um, as we, again, listeners, we must apologise for the short episode this week. Um, commitments prevail. Um, this one, um, a Australian um, online website called The Mandarin, um, themandarin.com.au. Uh, article by Hannah Kingston, um, actually published um, today um, as we record, which is fresh Hot off the Gosh, press. we are fresh today. Indeed. Um, and it, it talks about leadership traits necessary to be a leader. And it and it, for, it, it references a previous article, which I'm not going to go into, which is all about making your CV stand out in the crowd. Um, but it also references the Forbes definition of leadership, which is the process of social influence and things. But um, it then talks about a study by Jack Zenger and Joseph Folkman about four competencies of a list of list of sixteen key leadership skills, um, which this study basically tells them that there are four. Uh, um, well, actually, hang on a minute. There's there's five here on the article, which is interesting. No, in fact, there's more. Anyway, I'll, uh, there's loads. Yeah, there are. There there's, are. There's there's loads of them. There's so there's a number of different competencies it makes reference to, uh, and some of them. And I thought I'd read these out to you, and see where we think that fits in the leadership. Um, podcast listeners mind inspires and motivates others is one displays high integrity and honesty is two solves problems and analyzes issues is three drives for results is four communicates powerfully and prolifically is uh, another one builds relationships uh, displays technical or professional expertise god i haven't got any of that one um displays a strategic purpose develops others and innovates now i really liked those headlines and um i would largely agree with them with exception of number three solving problems and analyzes issues what do you think well um i'd i'm now quite excited about looking at things again through the the lens of the left and the right brain and uh, just just ticking the boxes, seeing, right, is that a left-brainy thing or is that a right-brainy thing? Um, so inspiring and motivating others, um, mm. what a, what a, that's, a, that's a great opportunity, actually, to, to capture the interest uh, of left-brainers and right-brainers. <laughs> so, so you give the left-brainers a whole load of um, technical stuff and facts, um, and we will be here by this date, uh, and kind of motivate people that way and the, the 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 big picture you know the vision um i talk about a, a piece written by a guy called nickel which is your distant shore you know what is your distant shore that you're aiming for uh and what do you need to do to get there so you know that inspirational part uh clicks in there the integrity and honesty um given you know that's an absolute given and solving problems and analyzing issues the, the these are givens aren't they i mean some of these things are just yes absolutely uh, drives for results uh, absolutely un, unquestionable communicates powerfully and prolifically you and i know that a, a large number of people who are put into leadership positions do not communicate powerfully and prolifically yeah i agree you know that their freak the quality frequency and impact of their communication is a little bit shit yeah 
uh, controversially. Um, and that, in a way, that's good because it keeps us in business. <laughs> but, um, you know, that is, a, that is a, a problem. So, yes, absolutely, I think that's more than a given. I think I think that's one that really does need a lot of work in a lot of organizations. Yeah. Uh builds relationships. Some people just get caught up in systems, don't they? It's the system that can, you know if you listen to their language, well I've got to do this because of the system. The system means we've got to do this. The system means we've got to get people back into the offices in London in in New York in in Shanghai, you know, they've all got to go back to work, whatever. Hang on. What about people's relationships? The relationships that they have with others, with their colleagues, and how is it working? Have you asked those questions? Have you are you talking to business, you guys, uh, about what their needs are um, and and efficiencies of flexible working, um, and also well being? Um, you know, going back to that uh, that caring point. Um, I I won't go through all of them, but that the, the one that I, you know, the innovates, isn't that one of the most important things for the world right now, mm -hmm. we have got to deal with a whole load of shit coming our way. Uh, from climate change, the possibility of second waves, the possibility of other um, things like COVID coming. We've, we've got to innovate. We've got to think about uh, these things very, very, very hard. So if I was to put a great big flashing light red light on any of those points it would be innovate or evaporate interesting so i would say the one that i hear most frequently as a learning need amongst leadership populations um, as a competency that's lacking right now is the lack of ability to build relationships and the communication piece that you referenced there also incidentally is unfortunately an obsession about obsessing with their technical or professional expertise to mitigate their mm. lack of competencies as a leader. Um, and I think that sometimes therefore can manifest itself in terms of them no longer being a leader, but more becoming a instructor. Um, and I think there is a fine line there, but certainly for me, um, the the ones that we I hear most regularly from my conversations around businesses that I work with, it will be the communication skills powerfully and prolifically. I think with this period of uncertainty, people need to rally around a message, a vision, which it makes reference to. But if there is a leader that has the best of intentions in the world, but they can't articulate themselves in a way that excites other people, they're going to really struggle to to, to be a, a superb leader, would be my opinion. Terrific. Um, that that I, I think uh, that was very useful just to to go through those things and mm. to see where see where we actually landed. And I you know I think that, that the combination of of the communication um, and the innovation put those two together. Uh, I, I think I think those two things are for us right now uh, massively massively important. Um, we know that some of the communication coming at us uh, from from political areas is not great at the moment, um, and I think I think we need to uh, adapt to that and build our own c communication and innovation capabilities as businesses and as people. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, we're limited on time today, so we have little time to talk any further. But that article, Hannah Kingston in the mandarin.com.au, um, all about the leadership competencies to be, um, well, the leadership traits that are necessary to be a great leader. Uh, really interesting stuff there. If there are articles you think we should be talking about in the podcast, then send us an email to leadership globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com or of course find us on our LinkedIn page thingamajig which we are still yet to really master and we probably really need to focus on that as our own area um, and we need to inspire ourselves <laughs> um, to oh, do right. you always inspire me ah oh, ditto JB Otherwise, how would we be so enthusiastic about doing this podcast after I believe genuinely nearly... genuinely, genuinely you do inspire me oh likewise well you know this is why we do what we do yeah we're nearly a year oh, I old. I feel warm and fussy. Yeah. Can you believe this podcast is nearly a year old, JB, next month? No. October is a year. Wow. Yeah. Was our first one in Bucharest or Budapest? No, I think our first recording was in, I want to say, Singapore. Crikey. It was in that hotel room, wasn't it? Um, and I had someone randomly come up to me in an office since lockdown, because I've been into the office just once or twice. And they said, by the way, I've, I always smile whenever I hear your podcast because I think about the episode where you went for a pee with the door open and you could hear it on oh, the recording. I, gosh, think was, that ins- I think that was wow. one, one of the first ones. I think the one I remember mostly is walking along the banks of the Danube. Yes. Well, we rec- when you took you took me up the Danube that night. I love I love taking up the Danube. It's um, lovely. <laughs> I'd never been up the Danube before. I don't want to go up it again after that either. <laughs> Um, as ever, ladies and gents, um, we will love your questions. Send them in. If you like what we do, please rate us five star on your various podcast providers um, and keep on trucking. What you, I guess in brief, we have two minutes left, JB. What is your ambitions and plans for the next seven days? Well, I, so today is innovating um, with Callum. Callum is coming here. We're, we're going to innovate a few things oh, together. Nice. Um, and uh, then we have a little spot of lunch, which is rather nice. Nice. Uh, Callum is um, an actor, by the way, for those who don't know Callum. Why, why would you? Uh, but he's tremendous, very bright boy. Um, and um, what else am I doing? I, I'm preparing for my trip to go to Scotland, Ant. And I haven't mentioned I'm going to Scotland. In the campervan. I'm hiring a massive, great big camper van with an enormous bed in the back. Otherwise, I would never got Christabel on to on board with this um, because she likes her bed, um, and we don't want to make it every day um, out of bits of things that fold up and down. So that's great, but it's huge. This thing we're going around Scotland, probably um, gathering people as we go, um, all the locals, and we're staying in pubs, uh, in pub gardens, in sheds, no gardens. <laughs> going mad. When do you? Uh, we're going. Uh, we're actually going on Friday. So I've got um, work experience with Lowell's up until Thursday, then going up to Scotland on Friday, there for a week, then coming back. Um, so we need to record our next episode before you go then. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, I, of course, was going to say that to you. Um, Unless we record it on the road. Indeed. That would go down well, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and You should see his face, listeners. <laughs> I would, though. I would if I... Yeah, Chris went for a long walk. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, all of that's happening. Now, uh, time for you. What are you up to? Um, I have the back-to-work <laughs> blues because I've been off for a week myself, as you know. I was in the Lake District. Um, so playing catch-up with that. Uh, and I've got quite a few various meetings of importance, which I can't talk too much about right now. But give it a month, all will be revealed. 
a whole new world. I think we should end the podcast right there. Beautiful. Um, I, I've been Anthony Price. And I've been Jonathan Bradley. And actually, literally today, I cannot think of a pithy line to say because I'm having a little bit of a left brain moment. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.